I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hello, I'm Laura Thorpe. I'm a Safeguarding in Sport and Activity Manager um, here at the Ancraft Trust. Today we're going to be talking about making safeguarding personal and I'm here with... I am Lisa Curtis and I'm the Safeguarding Adults at Risk Manager at ACT. Okay, so um, general discussion around making safeguarding personal. So, first off, let's start with when it was introduced. Well, the starting point for me is that is that um, people are still very unfamiliar with making safeguarding personal, mm -hmm. and um, often when I start to talk about it, or even if I sometimes you see it at MSP. Mm -hmm. And people are, oh, I don't know what it is, I've never heard of it. But it's actually been around for a long time. 2010 was, mm -hmm. was when it was um, piloted, um, really. And it's it's a process that involves people who may be um, part of a safeguarding um, sort of the process, really. And, and I'm using the word process because making safeguarding personal is encouraging us to move away from the process um, in, in terms of thinking of, you know, like tick box. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there'll always be a format to follow. And it encourages to think about how to increase the involvement of that person who needs to be safeguarded and, and actually looking at the outcomes mm -hmm. for them. So it becomes outcome-focused rather than process-focused. Mm -hmm. And to me, that there is a big difference in that because... Um, as, as, a, as a, a sort of professional going through the safeguarding um, process, if you like, um, we can become very preoccupied with the order of things mm -hmm. that, that they need to happen and, and making sure that we get to the end of it, really. Um, but making safeguarding personal is encouraging us to involve the person all the way through in the way that they want to be involved and in a way that they can be involved and I appreciate that can be challenging mm. in, in some situations but we need to start by asking those questions mm -hmm. and asking the person how do they want to be involved, what do they want mm -hmm. to happen, what outcome are they looking for mm. because what we don't want to do is get to the end of uh, the safeguarding investigation um, and, and case conference etc to find out that the, an outcome has been made for a person that they haven't had any involvement yeah, that in. they didn't want, yeah. Mm, so it's yeah. less about safeguarding being something that's done to you and it's yes. something, you know, that you are an active participant in. Yes, exactly. And I, I think it works really well with the six key principles of safeguarding mm -hmm. because what we really want to do within this is to empower mm -hmm. the person. Um, yeah, I guess we want to look at protection and what that might involve, but we also want to be proportionate. Mm -hmm. We want to um, increase the person's resilience. Mm -hmm. We want them to we want to increase their self-esteem mm -hmm. and their confidence. Yeah. Um, because it, it could be, a person could be in a situation where something might have been happening to them for a long time and they might not feel very confident mm. in raising mm -hmm. um, uh, the situation. Um, so really the benefits of making safeguarding personal for the individual could be the difference between them being able to recognise when it is happening in the future, should it, you know, or, and build up that resilience that you talked about to understand more about their own personal safety. And if they're not involved in the process, they don't might not get the, to develop those skills. Yes, I think, uh, yes, I agree with that. I also think that as well, that it, it can be very daunting as mm -hmm. well if you're attending a meeting that's about you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and actually it's making sure that we are 
making things as, as accessible as, as possible for a person. So, I mean, you know, at a time when they feel most comfortable to come to the meeting, do they want to even walk into a room that's full of professionals? Um, do they know who everybody is? Mm -hmm. You know, so we really need to sort of just step back and think about what is going to make this situation more bearable and more personable for this mm -hmm. this individual and, and how are they going to be involved mm -hmm. and remembering to ask what they want yeah. out of it as well. And so you said obviously it's been around since 2010 so how would you say it's developing at the moment? I, I think that um, local safeguarding adult boards will have making safeguarding personal clearly is one of their uh, um, key objectives and I know a lot of safeguarding adult boards have been testing the temperature in terms of how it's being incorporated mm -hmm. into um, local policy and procedures and I think people are at different sort of um, levels of understanding but it is but it's there it's in mm -hmm. it's in place but I think thinking about how it has developed I think we need to think about specifically how we're going to involve the person that the safeguarding is about. So that's one point. Mm -hmm. Can we also need to think about, well, does the person need um, advocacy? Mm -hmm. um, is that going to be a way to increase the person's um, voice? Are we really listening to what they want? And also thinking about engagement with um, perhaps existing user-led groups. Mm -hmm. And actually, um, ACT has been looking at that through the work, work that they've been doing with sports colleagues, looking at um, engaging with user-led mm -hmm. um, groups and looking at what safety means to in individuals as well. So there's something about prevention work as well there mm -hmm. and, and people understanding what, what abuse is. So um, realising the, the strong links to the key principles as well within adult safeguarding because they're all building blocks okay. of uh, ensuring a really robust kind of approach to safeguarding, if you like, that places the person at the centre. Because really making safeguarding personal it really does mean what it's what it says, really, making yeah. safeguarding personal. It's about that individual. And I, I think that when we think about outcomes they've got to come from the individual mm -hmm. that adult um if they have capacity um because otherwise the person may not engage with the outcome they may not like the outcome mm -hmm. they may not feel that they've been involved um and and you know that that's not really protecting the person no. and, and it's not um in including them mm -hmm. and it's not improving the situation for them so one of the important things we need to do at the end um, is of a, a safeguarding inquiry is to make sure that we check back in with the person that they understand and that they've been involved and that they're happy with the outcomes. And sometimes people go away and then they think afterwards, oh, I'm not actually happy with the outcome, it's not workable for me. And I think the key thing then is to revisit it, not just leave it, to revisit it. What is What will improve the situation? Um, because we don't want the person to to feel unhappy with the situation or to feel that it hasn't worked for mm -hmm. them or to put them at any more risk. Yeah, I suppose that could have an adverse effect yes, on them. Yes, definitely, yeah. Okay, well, taking into account everything that you've said, um, how can organisations make safeguarding personal? I, I think on a, on a very basic level that they can... Um, 
literally grasp that they can safeguard in person or make sure that they are involving people but I, I think that we can take a slight step back from that and think in all the different settings that people may be working or volunteering or supporting what would it take mm. because sometimes people may not even know that they are being abused and they may not know um, that things could be different so to, to me I always think let's take a step back and let's try and uh, raise people's awareness um, more around um, safeguarding around staying safe mm -hmm. um, and uh, with the user-led involvement as well. So let's let's raise the chatter, if you like, around safeguarding, because only then we can start to sort of think about, well, this is what it means to, to people. Mm -hmm. But also we can think about, um, organisations can think about, you know, do they want to produce any information around safeguarding? Is there training that people need to go on? Um, thinking about as many different ways um, that they can think of to sort of make safeguarding positive as well so it's not something that is um, done to um, but obviously making safeguarding personal is about involvement but I think if we I when I talk about safeguarding I always like to try and, and make it something which is on our agenda all the time mm -hmm. because then people will talk about it and, and as I just said we'll raise the chatter about it and then we can um, recognize unsafe situations or we can recognise um, when something is happening to us and we want to do something about it. And I think if there is information uh, accessible to people, if there are key contacts, um, posters, training, we can be as creative as we like, user-led groups, um, we're in a strong position to move forward then because it's actually making safeguarding personal is very values led and I think if the values of an organisation or the, the the stand that they're taking against safeguarding is, is there for people to see and it's positive then maybe we will hear more and people can come forward more and, and talk more about their situations. Brilliant. Okay, thank you very much Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our work, check out our website, ancrafttrust.org, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at Ancraft Trust.